Hello, food world. It's Robert Crutchfield, your favorite foodie friend from Crutchfield Cooks, the podcast. She's back. Maria Liberati, one of our best guests from the past, has returned this time to talk about Tuscan cooking, how to make the best out of your leftovers, and how to reduce food waste in the process. She's got some really great ideas. So here's Maria. And my camera. Oh, okay. And so Sorry. now we have, now we have, no, 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 bring the books back. Because the first thing I wanted to do is ask, ask if there's any, if there's any new Maria news. Oh, this is my latest book, but it looks like my camera is, did it get it now? No. I, I, yeah, I'm not seeing it. Why don't, why don't yeah, you just. It's kind just, of blanking it out. It might. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. It doesn't blank me out, but it blanks. But, but tell us about the new book anyway, even if we but can't I'll see just it. Tell you about it. Yes. This is it's my latest book. It's the basic art of Italian cooking diaries. And this one is subtitled Seasons. So this is a new series I started. It's all the diaries. You know what really what happened was during the pandemic, so I couldn't get back to Italy. And I had all these diaries and journals that I kept. So I thought, you know what? Now's a good time to, I had the time. I was pretty much in my home office most of the time to turn the diaries into a book with the recipes, you know, and all my diary entries. So that's what I did. I started this series. So this series is more of, it's actually diaries that I kept while I was in Italy. And then there are, of course, recipes with each diary entry. So this one is called Seasons because it's divided. Each chapter is a season. So the the diary entries are from that season of the year. So the chapters, the recipes are, you know, go with that season also. So uh, yeah, that book is available on on Amazon and really anywhere. The Basic Art of Italian Cooking Diary Seasons. Yes. Okay, that that sounds great. Did you have any, why don't we jump into, did you have anything about Italian cooking that you wanted to share with us this time around? Well, I guess, you know, for for spring, I mean, usually there's a lot of people doing picnics now. Generally in Italy, okay, so the day after Easter is called Pasquetta, which lit, kind of means little Easter. And that's Easter Monday. And Easter Monday is a day that people with the, it, it's actually one of my favorite holidays because it's like no cards, no gifts. It's just a day that you either go to the mountains or you go to the beach if the weather permits, or you go have a picnic somewhere. And it's kind of the official start to the season, the picnic season. And, you know, it's usually a good time to start the Tuscan picnic sort of idea of using, especially using like local vegetables and making fresh local things. So, you know, we don't have, obviously, it's still not time, at least on the East Coast, to pick your fresh tomatoes. I I just started, mine are starting to grow, but they're not, I don't have tomatoes yet. But, but, you know, there's a lot of fresh vegetables that are, it is time for those. So there's a lot of great things that you can make that are healthy, you know, with just a little olive oil and garlic and just seasoning stuff. You know, if you have, for instance, fresh spinach or 
fresh Swiss chard. You can just, you know, what you want to do is just boil that a little. You can boil a little or steam it. And then if you just saute that with some garlic and olive oil, if you want to add a dash of pepper, dash of salt, and the vegetables are just really, really delicious. Asparagus is great. This, you know, this time of the year, you're get, we're getting some really good asparagus. They're great for a frittata. I don't know if you're familiar with the frittata, Robert. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, frittata are just eggs. <clears throat> it's different. It's kind of like a, a version of an omelet. But we call it a frittata. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of a version of an omelet. At the same time, it's it's almost like bread made out of eggs. Kind of, I know, yeah. I know here, here in Texas, they use them. They use them in place of buns a lot. And there you go. Yeah, well, you know, they started selling these egg wraps mm -hmm. here. They sell them here, too, in the supermarkets. They're actually wraps that are just made from, like, eggs. But so a frittata... What you do is you first, the difference between that and an omelet. So you're going to start by just some olive oil and then you saute whatever vegetables that you want to put in the frittata. So if you have some fresh spinach, fresh asparagus at this time of the year, you can actually saute them in the olive oil. And then what you do is you break the eggs in a bowl. It depends on how many people you're feeding. So you know, I usually like to make one for two people at a time. And uh, let's say you do four eggs in a bowl. If you want to do two full eggs and two egg whites, you can do that too. Uh, if you want to make it like a little later, you can do that or, you know, two full eggs and four egg whites. And then you just whip that with a fork and you're going to pour that into the vegetable mixture and you keep you know, you, you kind of roll the pan a little bit so all the liquid cooks. And once all the liquid is cooked and it's a little firm, you're actually going to put it on a dish and you're going to flip it. So you flip it to the other side. So when you and, say dish, uh, are you talking about a plate or what kind yeah, of dish? Yeah, a plate. That's what I mean, a plate. Now, the other way to do it, if you're not real familiar and you're afraid you're going to break it or whatever, if you start out by sauteing it in an oven-proof pan. Okay. So what you do is when the frittata is, a you know, pretty much not liquidy around the edges, you're going to put it. Under, you're going to put it in the oven. You can put it under the broil and uh, you can put some cheese on top, whether you like mozzarella, parmigiana, reggiana. My favorite thing to do All the is, above. Yes. Because when I beat the eggs, I put in some either shaved or grated fresh parmigiana, reggiano, or pecorino. And then I put it in the pan. But you can always put it on top. I do add, I like to add fresh parsley. So I do have fresh parsley growing in my garden. So fresh parsley always adds a good touch to it. You can add some fresh pepper, but, you know, that's a really easy dish to make. And, of course, grab some great, crusty Italian bread and you really have a meal by, you know, just using, like I said, some fresh, fresh produce that's out there now. You can do that, you know, with, with the asparagus. You can also, if you like pasta... Asparagus makes a great pasta dish with just, you know, you, again, saute the asparagus tips 
with olive oil and garlic. And then what you're going to do is you're going to make your pasta. When the pasta is done, you're going to put it in the saute pan, toss it around, serve it with some grated black pepper and fresh, freshly shaved Parmigiano Reggiano cheese. Oh, I'm getting so hungry. Oh, I know. I'm like pasta fix. So, you know, you can do that with a lot of the fresh veggies that are out there now. It's, it's a healthier way to eat. And you can also use gluten-free pasta if you can't have gluten. There are so many versions out there, and there's some really great versions out there now that are good. Also, you can also, if you're a pizza fanatic like I am, I just... Oh, I up here, here, here. Constantly. <laughs> you know, you can also make it healthier by topping it with a lot of the fresh veggies that we just talked about. And sometimes, like, if you have leftover veggies or... You know, meats, if you eat chicken or, or ground meat or whatever, you have leftovers. You can put that on your pizza, even if it's like a left, leftover pizza. Top your pizza with that, warm it all up, and oh my gosh, makes a delicious meal. So those are really easy things that people can do with the, you know, the fresh veggies and that we're, that we're seeing now, that are coming out now. And of course, we have some you know, a lot of fresh fruits coming out now that make great desserts, but fresh veggies are always good for, you know, as I said, there's a lot of picnic. Now I was talking about a Tuscan picnic. So if you do a frittata, a really popular thing is frittatas are portable. So after you make that frittata, you know, whether you cook it in the oven or you finish it on, on your range, you know, put it in a plate and then you actually cut it in slices, wrap it in parchment paper or brown paper. And uh, it does make a great portable snack or it's a healthy snack or it's great to take, you know, Italians take that to the beach or to the, for a picnic instead of making a sandwich, you know, it makes a really good portable dish. So another great affordable dish for a picnic, because now, as I said, we're getting into picnic season. If you have leftover pasta, you want, this is actually a popular street food. It actually used to be, I'm not sure if they're still making it, but in Naples, it's actually a pasta frittata. Oh, it's so good. So what you do is instead of throwing away your leftover pasta, you put it in the frittata. And you let that cook the same way. And you can, when it's done, you can slice that. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Really delicious. So uh, it's a good way. You know, usually what Italians do, for instance, on a Sunday, you have these big pasta meals mm. for their dinner time is lunch. It's our lunch, like one, two o'clock. Sure. So if they have pasta left over, dinner time is usually a lighter meal. What they'll do is sometimes they'll make a, a just a frittata for dinner. So instead of, you know, throwing the pasta away, you can put that pasta in the frittata. And hey, you can even save it for lunch for the next day if you need something to take with you for work or you just want to eat that as your dinner. It makes a great meal. Or like I said, it makes a great portable dish to take with you to a picnic. Or the beach, you know, if you go to the beach camping, you know, so many people are going to start doing, if you haven't started already, depending on where you are and how the weather is, 
going to start doing a lot of out outdoor activities. And these are all really delicious dishes that are actually, you know, healthier for you than some of the other things that are out so, there. So when you talk about a frittata being portable, are you meaning that we, we don't have to put it in like an ice chest or refrigerated? Or well, anything? you know, here's the thing. Okay. Well, if you're, if you're going to be gone for like an eight hour day, then yeah. And you eat a cold, you can eat a cold. If you're going to be gone for an eight-hour day, you know, there is, there's eggs and cheese in it. So I would recommend right. wrapping it and putting it in a cooler. But, you okay. know, if it's an hour or two hours, then you can just wrap it, put it in maybe a baggie or a brown paper bag, plastic bag, and take it with you or a container. You know, well, try to get the BPA-free plastic sure. containers if you Absolutely. Can. I, I yeah. think the bigger point as far as portability is you're talking about a dish. You need no plates. You need no utensils. Exactly. You, you might need a napkin to, to wipe your right. fingers. Yes, but, you might. And, <laughs> and, and, and yeah. I find yeah. stuff like that very interesting on a couple of points, really. One, it plays into a lot of things that are trendy right now yes. as far as sustainability and right. limiting food waste and whatnot. And yeah. I know I, for one, am finding that a lot of these uh, traditional type practices and cooking techniques plays into all that. Yeah. Everybody wants to think that limiting waste and, and, and everything, it, you, they, they want to act like it's a new idea, but people, like we've been talking about here, people in Tuscany have been doing this for hundreds of years for economic reasons. Yes, exactly. And I think that was the one thing that really impressed me when I was living in Italy is I started realizing like people here were so spoiled and they just mm. throw food away. Like, you know, um, there's a little brown spot. It's bad. I'm trashing it, you know, on an apple or something. Well, you know, cut off the brown spot and let's try and use that apple in some way. Or if you have leftover pasta or leftover rice, it's, you know, don't trash it. Obviously, you can't keep stuff for too long because it's going to, you know, go bad and you don't want to get sick from it. But if you have leftover pasta, okay, that night, make the frittata, just as I said, and uh, you'll have lunch for tomorrow, an easy lunch. And they're, you know, not, believe me, nothing more delicious than that, as you can imagine. It's really delicious. And absolutely, it's sustainable. There are a lot of chefs actually doing this in Italy now, the sustainable, like they've come up with all these incredible recipes, but you're absolutely right. For economic reasons in Italy, there's a school of cooking called Cucina Povere, which actually means peasant kitchen. And what happened was, in, especially in Tuscany, where people were so poor, they had to come up with ways to reuse and reuse the food that they had. They, they couldn't afford to throw away bread so or pasta or whatever. And they actually, especially the women, because they wanted to impress their husband, they would come up with these dishes, these tasty, delicious dishes that are now served in the most expensive restaurants in like New York City. You know, there's a bread soup that they make in in Tuscany and uh, the bread the leftover bread actually thickens the tomatoes so it's so delicious so there's also um, they use it like an emulsifier 
Yes, somewhat. Yeah. Yes, you, you get the leftover bread and you cook it down with the tomatoes. There's also another soup called rebolito, which just means reboiled. And it's a bean soup. It's just beans and vegetables because they're big on beans in Tuscany. They grow them a lot. Not that all the other areas don't, but in Tuscany, they happen to be big on bean soups. And it's a soup that they just, you make it and they actually leave it on their range for a day or two. And you just keep reheating it because there's no meat, there's no cheese in it. If you want cheese on top, you can put cheese on top when you serve it. So, uh, and you serve it with crusty bread. What you do is if you have leftover bread, you slice it, you put it in the oven under broil for just you know, until it gets a little crusty because you want it to be able to hold the soup. And then what you do is you put a slice of that bread at the bottom of each soup bowl, drizzle some olive oil, and then you pour the soup over it. And then the soup is going to make the bread, same thing, get kind of emulsified. And you start breaking up the bread and because the heat of the soup, you break up the bread and you, you just eat it. And something else that makes it delicious. So before you pour the soup over, put a sprinkling, sprinkling of your favorite herbs on top of the bread. After you drizzle the olive oil, pour the soup on top. Oh, it's so delicious. So again, it's another way, another, you know, item from this peasant kitchen that was created. Even pizza is really from the peasant kitchen, you know, because they grew tomatoes. The soil there is wonderful for tomatoes. So they had to figure out what to do with it and with the, what to do with the tomatoes. And so they were able to get flour and, you know, the yeast. And then they just, you know, would make pizza. So using their wonderful fresh tomatoes. So that's another dish from the peasant kitchen. But yeah, so many dishes from, come from the peasant kitchen. And I just was so impressed by the way that people were using and reusing food in so many delicious, you know, delicious ways they are. And it, it is, it's really, really important, especially with food being so expensive now. It's really important to do that and to educate yourself really on how to do that. It's really important, yeah, for sustainability and everything else. I, so, I agree completely. And I, I, I do think that uh, some of the traditional practices from economics uh, need to come back to the fore, but we have to teach people about those. But we also need to teach people about traditional practices from other places. For instance, yeah. as you and I know, it's common practice in restaurant kitchens, including the finest in the world, where yeah. not every load of vegetables is nice and pretty where you want to put them on somebody's plate. Right, right. <laughs> do, the, do, the, do, these big, do these big, fancy, expensive restaurants with these razor-thin margins, do they throw the ugly vegetables away? No, they don't. They throw them in the stock pot. They use, yes. them, for, they use them for cooking family meals, which are the meals that the, the kitchen staff eat, um, exactly. things like that. And I, mm -hmm. think, I think there needs to be an education process. And, and of course, this I'm talking about, uh, this practice in kitchens goes back hundreds of years. Yes. Uh, to Escoffier, at least. Yes. Uh, probably before. Uh, yes. So I think that, I think that as we educate people on cooking, mm -hmm. 
even as we try to get into all the trendy fusion and all the different newer things, I think we do need to, uh, when we look at sustainability, when we look at limiting food waste, I think in a lot of ways, we need to reach back into tradition. Yes. And and recapture some of those old techniques and things and, uh, and bring those into the next century, so to speak. Definitely. And the one thing I always say is, if you're not going to reuse the vegetables, and, and actually, if they're too bad, if they've gone way past usability, get a composting bin and compost them and start growing your own. You know, use those vegetables because they have so many nutrients in them. And you don't have to buy any kind of fertilizer. Just get a composting bin. It's really, really easy to do that and compost them if they're way past usability. Because I know myself too, sometimes I just have so much and it goes past usability and I throw them in my composting bin with the eggshells. In fact, eggshells make a great thing to put in your composting bin. Absolutely. Throw away your eggshells, put them in the composting bin with everything else, your banana peels, any peels that you, you know, can't use. Put them in your composting bin in the least. At least you're making good use of everything. And, but yeah, it's real, really, really important. I am interviewing, actually, I just interviewed him, but I'll be interviewing him again. He's going to do a cooking segment on my podcast. So this chef is really interesting. He's from Italy and he actually makes a yeast from fermented vegetable peels. Huh. So interesting. And he makes gnocchi. Do you know what gnocchi are? Or they're kind yeah. of like puffs. So he makes yeah, them kinda. leftover breads. And and he actually is a chef at a very expensive restaurant. And one of the restaurants that he was working at is an expensive restaurant right outside of Rome. He actually gets hired all over the world. I think now he's working in New York and he's doing going to do a segment for me from the restaurant in New York. But it's really, really interesting how people are doing these, you know, how they're creating these things and finding these things. And he probably, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that was done like hundreds of years ago. And he might have found that by researching and, you know, studying about making the yeast from the fermented vegetables. But our fermented vegetable peel, so the parts of the vegetables and fruits that you would just trash, he's making yeast out of it. Well, I think part of that, of course, education is a big part of it, but I think there's a lot of attitude out there, too. One of my favorite food show memories came from MasterChef. They had had this challenge where they were presented with a tray of miscellaneous leftovers. Oh, yeah. The challenge was to to see how many of the, the leftovers you could use and uh, yeah. not use extra things and all that kind of thing yeah. to yes. to be able to use up all the odds and ends that naturally come from the way a kitchen operates. And this one particular season, Chef Ramsey had this single mother on there. And she made a soup a lot like some of the ones you're talking about. Yes. Used absolutely every ingredient on the tray and not exactly. one single additional ingredient. Mm-hmm. And the part I remember is, of course, he's getting to the part where he, he tests all the, the competitors' dishes. And, you uh-huh. know, some of them, they're adding like half a dozen extra things and only using half the stuff on the tray. And I mean, uh-huh. totally missing the point. Uh-huh. 
And I think it was very illustrative that Chef Ramsey was was teaching this one lady soup. Uh huh. You know, you know, here he is. He's got I don't know eighty seven Michelin stars or something on it. Mm-hmm. Big time chef. Yes. On TV or off, and he was tasting this lady chef, and he said, "I could sell this. I could sell this at my restaurant right now. It would not be a regular menu item. I'm not saying it would, but as a special." To get rid of leftovers, which is exactly what this challenge was about, I could sell this. Right, right. He said, yeah, I, could sell, I could sell two, three dozen bowls of this a night. Exactly. And there's so much you can do. I know, you know, with an, they have these things called Instant Pods or even mm-hmm. a Crock Pod. All you need to do is just olive oil, garlic, and throw any leftover veggies Add either in some pasta or quinoa or brown rice and, uh, you know, maybe some fresh tomatoes or if you have to use canned tomatoes, use canned tomatoes. Make sure you get a good brand without sugar in it. And you just let that cook for a couple of hours and you have a great, delicious meal. So much better than the pre-packaged soups that are out there. They're terrible. Oh, they, yeah. So they're just terrible. And once you get started to eating something like that, you're, you know, you're not going to want to eat any of the canned or, or prepackaged soups. They're just, you know, I, sometimes I think it's just a bunch of salt and then they just add a little bit of flavoring and coloring in and they call it a soup. A lot but, of times uh, that's true. Yes, I believe so. Have you seen and, the they, soup? and they cook it to develop the flavors a whole 90 seconds. Yes, exactly. No flavor whatsoever. So yeah, it's so much easier and it's so much more economical and you're going to use up all whatever leftovers you have. If you have leftover, you know, meats, you can put them in there. And if you want to top it with some cheese when you serve it, it's really a delicious, delicious meal. So much more delicious than the stuff, the free, free packaged stuff that's out there. And it's so much more healthier for you. Sure. And before Zoom starts to tell us we're running out of time, Uh, since we have a little bit, help us out. How do we reheat our pizza? Well, the best way I found, if you want to reheat your pizza, okay, microwave, not microwave, microwave, you know, yeah, but you risk the chance that it's going to get hard. And uh, the best way to do it is wrap it in some aluminum foil. You want to make sure the cheese doesn't stick. And you put it in the oven for like uh, on 350 degrees for about usually 20 minutes is enough to heat, to reheat it. But uh, yeah, the oven is definitely the best way to go. And uh, if you don't want it to get dry, if you've gotten pizza that is made at a pizzeria, they usually put loads of oil. So you don't need any more oil. Usually, if you make it yourself, it's a little dry. You can just drizzle some olive oil on the top. And if you're going to top it with leftover veggies, you know, put the veggies on top, drizzle them with olive oil, and then cover it with aluminum foil. And you want to heat it at 350 for 20, about 20 minutes. Works for me. 350 is like my favorite cooking temperature. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I cook all, I, almost everything I put in the oven goes in at 350. Yes, exactly. Me too. Except for if certain things I'm broiling or whatever, just right. because the old rule of thumb of you can always cook it longer, but you can't cook it less. 
Exactly. And you don't want stuff to, you know, sometimes I want to quickly try to do stuff and you put the temperature up too high and you get something that's burnt or something that is really dried out. So you don't want to do that. So yes, you're better off. Turning the temperature up and cooking faster, that that to me is like one of the biggest mistakes in, in cooking. It is. There, it there's is. more yeah. bad cooking that is bred yes. by impatience than yes. almost anything I can think of, including yes. in commercial kitchens, because exactly. the, because people think that if you're in a commercial kitchen, you got to be fast. It's all hustle, 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 hustle. Yes, and yes. No. No. All that hustle, hustle, hustle breeds mistakes. Yes, in turn breeds waste. Yes. What you need to understand is mise en place. What you have to understand is developing your skills. That's how you become fast, not by not by pushing the speed or or amping the temperature. You rush to save time, but you actually waste time because all the mistakes you're going to make by rushing. This is what I'm saying. Yes, exactly. So just, it is, it's a thing that you have to take your time and uh, you won't waste time because if you take your time, you're doing it correctly. So you don't, yes, I know there are restaurants that will try to do this thing where they make you, oh yeah. And then, you know, so you don't want to do that. You need to take your time and uh, it's all, you know, it's all good if you take your time. Sure. We got we got the message we were just talking about, but we still got a couple of three minutes. Is there any quick tip that you want to leave everybody with just to throw something else in the pot, so to speak? Well, I think that the main thing, so there's a saying in Italy that the secret ingredient to a really good recipe is love. And what mm. that means is just what we were talking about. It's taking the time. If you show love to a recipe, because Italians are, we're passionate about our food. So we show love to our food. So that means you're taking time and you're really kind of obsessive about what you're doing. That really is the secret ingredient to a really good dish. So that if anything, that would be my tip. And I just want to also, if I can just tell everybody, so I have a podcast too, that Robert was on the Maria Liberati show and we'll, I'm sure you're going to be on again soon. And uh, we'll have to do that again. And uh, my website, marialiberati.com, my book series, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking Diaries. That's my new book series, but The Basic Art of Italian Cooking that you can get at marialiberati.com also. But yeah, I think my, my my main tip is, and I do recipes all the time on my blog and my website. So there's loads of recipes on there and on my podcast as well. But that would be the main, main, if anything, if I had to break it down, really, you need to have love for your recipes for the cooking that you do. Thank you, Maria. I think that's going to be a really good time to say goodbye to everybody. I'll talk to you here in in just a minute. Yes. Uh, Enjoyed it as always. Thank you so very much, Maria. I'm almost glad our half hour is over, although I love spending time talking to you. That that last 30 minutes really made me hungry. For more of content like we just had, be sure and visit us often at www.learnmoreeatbetter.com. And if you're looking for a good laugh, check out your favorite podcast app for 
our friends at Random PM. Until next time.